All right, well, two brief announcements. Uh, first of all, I failed to mention, as far as the guys get away this coming Saturday, Luke has a sign-up sheet out in the foyer, so any of our teens and young adults that would like to go, please sign that and put your phone number so that uh, Luke will know who he needs to send a message to about the location and, and maybe any additional information that needs to be made as well. Also, some of you may notice we've got some microphones that are kind of going up. And let me tell you what we're working toward, okay? We would like to get to where we can have a song leader again. But what some of you may not realize is that we have an online presence that is worshiping with us. And when you are a song leader and you are up here and all that's coming out on the internet is your voice instead of everybody's voice, it doesn't matter if you are Wayne Stoltz who has an amazing voice, okay? It is unmerciful. I know because I've talked to several people who have listened to different congregations and all you hear is the song leader and it's... It's pretty rough. And so what we would like to do is capture our worship to where everyone could be, be heard and you know people can really feel encouraged by our worship. So that's what we're working toward. So please be patient with us on that. All right, well, a group of kids ages 4 through 8 were asked the question, what does love mean? You can imagine the response, and I'm just going to read some of these to you. Emily wrote, love is when you kiss all the time. <laughs> then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and talk more. She says, my mom and dad are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> Christy, age six, says, love is when you go out to eat with someone and you give them most of your french fries without making you give them one back. Some of you can relate to that. Danny, age seven, says love is when mommy fixes dad's coffee and she sips it to make sure it tastes okay. Mary, age four, says love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day long. Lauren, age five, I know my sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. <laughs> Carl, age eight, I love this one. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on aftershave and they go out and they smell each other. <laughs> Tyler, age five, says when you love someone, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. It's interesting. This is my favorite one, though. Mark, age six, says, I don't know if I can get through this. Love is when mommy sees daddy on the toilet and doesn't think it's gross. <laughs> that is, that's true love, right? Oh, man. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? And I really believe that this is probably one of the most important series we'll ever do because of the simple fact that there are so many definitions of love out in our world today. And so what is love? And so in that first lesson, we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And we looked at how God defined love. What, what true love really is and, and what love is not. Then in week number two, we also talked about how love is a command. And oftentimes we forget about that. And, and not only is it a command, Jesus says it is the greatest command. In other words, if we can't get this right, then how are we going to get everything else right? Because when we truly love God and when we truly love others, Jesus says everything else spiritually falls in line. But we are commanded to love. And then today what we're going to do as we continue this series is we're going to start talking a little more in depth as to who we are to love. And I want to begin with a question this morning, and that is, what is our goal as a church? Just think about that for a moment. What is our goal as a church? And some of you may have several things going through your mind right now, but here's what, our, here's what I would say, okay? All of us should have the same goal, and that is to become a group of people that are madly in love with God. We want to be a group of people who our goal, our vision is to say, you know what, God, I love you so much that I will serve you. I love you so much that I will live for you. I love you so much that I will tell people about you. Because here's the deal, when we're in love, it makes everything easier, doesn't it? Especially all of those things, serving, sacrificing, talking about the, the person that we love, those, those things just come naturally. Those, those things become easy when we truly are in love. Right? I'll never forget, 26 years ago, I met my wife, Julie. And I'll never forget, she called me on the phone and she asked me out on a date. True story. Because I, I, I was a scaredy cat. She was beautiful and I didn't think I ever would have a shot with someone like her. So she calls me, asked me on a date, and, and we had a great time. And so from there, we started dating. On the weekends, I would drive to her house, which one way was around 45 to 50 miles away. Now, let me stop right there and say this. I only made, when I was working for my dad, $80 a week. And so I had to sacrifice some money as far as gas was concerned. And then when I would get to her house, then I would take her out on a date. And we would typically drive to Tupelo because it was a larger city. It was some 30 to 40 minutes away. And, and when we would get to Tupelo, we might go see a movie. I would definitely take her out to dinner. We, we might even go to the mall and kind of hang out together uh, in the arcade, but I would, I would spend a lot of money and, and then I would drive her back home, drop her off, and then I would drive all the way, 45 minutes, back to my house. Besides all of that, I would buy her expensive jewelry. 
I had a friend who in Hamilton had a jewelry store, and I could go in and I could put stuff on layaway. And I didn't have a whole lot, but I'd put a little down, a little down. You know, each month I'd pay it off, and I'd give her jewelry, and and I would call her on the phone. And 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 probably what a lot of our teenagers don't understand was this was before the cell phone. Okay, I mean, if you had a cell phone which was in a bag at that time, okay, and it, you had to be rich to own a cell phone or to make a call on it. And so we would have to call each other on a landline. And there were times during the week when I would call her long distance after about a month of calling, you know, and just talking with each other that our phone bill would be around $200. And so I sacrificed a lot of money and I sacrificed uh, a lot of time, but here's what I will say. I loved every minute of it because I was and still am in love with her. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. I think about Jacob and Rachel and their relationship. Jacob goes to Rachel's father and he says, man, I want to marry your daughter. And he says, okay, that's fine, but you've got to work for me for seven years. And this is what the Bible says, Genesis 29, verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his white shirt said out loud, his love for her was so strong that it seemed like what to him, church? But just a few days. Right? That's, that's how love works. When we truly love someone, then all these things like serving them and sacrificing for them, it's just really not that big of a deal, is it? Now let's bring this down to a spiritual level. Because this is the way that we should love God. We should serve and sacrifice for Him because of our love relationship. You know, we should talk to Him in prayer and we should listen to Him speak to us through His Word and we should come each week and, and worship Him. And it shouldn't be a hassle. It shouldn't be something that we dread, but rather we look forward to, right? I mean, I can't wait to be at worship, or I can't wait to watch worship online, or I can't wait to get into God's Word and just spend some one-on-one time with Him in prayer. I can't, I can't wait for that because I just I love Him so much. Let's go a little deeper. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And while you're looking there, I ask you this question. What was the greatest command in the Old Testament? And some of you may be thinking, well, it was probably obey, 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 obey. But actually, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this was a passage that the Jews or the Hebrew people, they would recite when they got up first thing in the morning and they would recite before they went to bed and and they would have it written across their doorposts and they would kiss it as they would go in and out of their homes this was something that they would this was a verse that they would oftentimes bind on their foreheads or or on their hands and this was it Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord, what, church? Say it out loud. 
the Lord alone. Now, before we get into this next verse, I want to give you a little bit of context, okay? The children of Israel, they are getting ready to go into the promised land. This land that God had been telling them about and had promised them. But before they get into that land, Moses tells them, listen, when we get in there, we're going to be surrounded by other nations that have and believe in several gods. But you guys know that there is only one true God. And he says, here's the deal. You're to love that God. Verse 5. He says... Love the Lord your God with all your what, church? With all your soul and with all your strength. In other words, what God is telling them is I want you to love me with everything. I want you to love me with all. And that word is so important. Notice God doesn't say, I want you to love me with your heart and your, your soul and your strength. No, He says, I want all of your heart and, and I want all of your soul and I want all of your strength. But, but He says, I want you to love me with all your heart because that was the seat of the emotions. In other words, I want you to love me with all your emotions. But also, the heart was the center of your being where you would make decisions. In other words, I don't want you to just love me with your emotions. I want you to love me through every decision that you make. He also says, I want you to love me with all your soul. And your soul was your very existence. With no soul, there was no person. I want you to love me with all your soul and with all your strength. And, and this isn't just talking about a physical strength, but a mental strength, a, a spiritual strength. In other words, when God says, I want you to love me, what He's saying is, is I want you to love me completely with all facets of your life. Not just with your emotions. I want that too. But I want your mind. I want your soul. I want your strength. I want everything. Give it all to me and give it to me only. Which is a very interesting point. There is a love that needs to be reserved for only God. Are you with me? Because here's what can happen. We're to love God and we're to love others. And as we begin to love others, maybe it's our parents or maybe it's our spouse or, or maybe it's our children or maybe it's our, our friends or, or maybe it's the love that we have for all of our friends. If we're not careful, I mean, it's great. We're to love those people. We're to love everyone. But if we are not careful, the love that we have for God can go to someone else. You see, the love that we have for God should be more. In fact, Jesus put it like this. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not, what church? Hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yet even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now some of you may be thinking, are you kidding me? 
Jesus is telling me that I need to, I need to hate my parents, I need to, I need to hate my spouse, and I need to hate my kids, and, and, and I need to hate myself. I mean, what kind of God is this? But actually what Jesus is saying here is the love that you have for your parents and the love that you have for your spouse, and the love that you have for your kids, and the love that you have for yourself should look like hatred compared to the love that you have for God. In other words, you are to love God more. There is a love that needs to be reserved for Him, and the question is, are we completely in love with Him? Or is there someone else or is there something else that has his place in our heart that's competing for our affection? Notice I didn't say, do you come to church? Notice I didn't say, do you give? Notice I I didn't say, "Do, do you come to events here at the church? What I ask you is, do you love Him? Because I think so oftentimes we can misplace, or or rather we can think that we love God just simply because we're kind of going through the motions of something we've always done. And so one of the, the verses, and I'm, I'm going to read three of them. I, there are a lot more, but three verses that really keep me in check. And, and I have to go back to these and examine myself. Or some of these verses that David writes, Psalm 42, 1 and, 1 and 2, he says, As the deer pants for water brooks. And so imagine in your mind a deer that's looking for water and it's panting. It's thirsty. Maybe it's been chased by a hunter or maybe it's been chased by some predator. But it's looking for water. I mean, it's just, it's thirsty. And, and the psalmist says, So pants my soul for you, O God. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And God, I just, I love you so much. I thirst to to be in your very presence. Chapter 63, verses 1 through 5. He says, oh God, you're my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I'm sure most of you have seen some movie where you have someone who's out in the desert and you know they're just they're thirsty. They're looking for water. They're longing to find some sort of water. And the psalmist says, that's me, God. I'm just, I'm longing. I'm, I'm thirsty to be in your presence. I'm hungry for you. He says, so I have looked for you in in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And then Psalm 73, I've shared this with you guys before, and it's just a great verse to keep out in front of us, to do some self-evaluating. Verses 25 through 28, the psalmist says, you're all I want in heaven. Can you imagine that? If I were to ask you this morning, okay, what, 
you know, what do you, what do you want to get out of heaven? Why, why do you want to go to heaven? We probably have an array of several answers. Some of you would say, well, man, I just want to be reunited with my, my grandparents or my parents. Or some of you may say, well, man, I, I, I want to be in a place where there's sickness or death or pain or, or sorrow. Others of you may say, have you read Revelation 21? I mean, streets of gold, gates of pearl. I mean, this place is going to be awesome. But here's what the psalmist says. He says, God, he says, you're all I want in heaven. And he even says, you're all I want on earth. Man, how, how many of us, and, and just be honest this morning, it, just think back to this, this past week. How many of you would say that you thought about several things that you wanted here on this earth? Maybe a commercial came on, or maybe you saw a billboard, but you saw it and you're like, oh man, that looks awesome. I want that. It's not that you need it. I, I know not too long ago I was on Facebook, and for some reason, these gadgets keep popping up. The newest gadgets keep popping up on my Facebook and, and they had this helmet that you can put on, and there are actually these laser rays that go over your head, and it helps grow hair. And I was like, man, I want one of those. I keep telling Precious and Tracy, man, I want hair. Man, I, I'm telling you, I would be bad to the bone with, with, with some hair. But here's what... Here's what the psalmist says, God, you're all I want on earth. He says, when my skin sags and my bones get brittle, in other words, when I get old, God is rock firm and faithful. Look, those who left you are falling apart. Deserters, they'll, they'll never be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I have made... Lord God, my home, and then watch this. You remember this last part? Look, look what happens when you're, when you're in love with God. He says, God, I am telling the world about you. That's so true, right? When we're in a love relationship with someone, they're all we want to talk about. When Julie and I were, were dating in high school, she is all I talked about. You're not going to believe this beautiful girl that I am... I'm dating. I mean, she's just amazing. She's awesome. You know, when, when, you're, when you're in love, you, you tell everybody about it. And the same is true with God. Are we in a love relationship with God where we're telling the world, we're just so excited about that love relationship with Him? Some of you may be thinking this morning, well, it's late, you know, as I look at some of these verses, maybe I don't love God as much as I should. And so what should I do? Should I try harder? What can I do to love God more? And the truth of the matter is, we can't muster up love inside of ourselves. How many of you would admit that we can't make someone love someone else? I mean, as, as bad as you want to, right? As a parent, you can't make your kids get along. You can't make your kids love each other like they should. You cannot force love. 
And so Paul says we need to pray. He says, this is my prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, 17 through 19. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's us. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Notice what Paul says. He says, I pray that you will all be able to truly understand how much God loves you. Why? Because the better we're able to understand the love of God, the more we're motivated to love God in return. And to love others in return. Because you see, here's the deal, and I'll be honest, I'm not naturally a loving person. I don't wake up in the morning saying, you know, I, I just love people. I, I, I just want to know how I, can, how I can please people. Now, when I wake up in the morning, you know who's the first person on my mind? Me. And who I'm trying to bring pleasure to, who I'm trying to serve? Me. I'm not naturally a loving person. And so to love God like I should and to love others like I should, guess what? I have to pray. God, I need your help to love you. Help me to truly see and understand just how much you love me so that I can truly love you as I should. God, help your church to understand how much you love each of them because we can't even begin to grasp that without His help. That's how dependent we are upon God. We have to pray, God, will you help us to love you? Will you help me to love other people? You say, well, you know, the, the love of God is really easy to grasp. I've heard people say this. Just, just look at the love of a mother for her child. Right? I mean, I, I've heard people say, moms, you know, how many of you would say that there is absolutely nothing that would cause you to stop loving your children? And I'm sure most of you in here would say, no, there's, there's nothing that would cause me to stop loving my children. But there are some of you here this morning who may have grown up without a mom. Your mom wasn't there for you. Your mom didn't love you. And so God says, listen, there's a difference between my love. Isaiah 49, 15 through 16. I love this. And I want you to think about this as we get it, we're getting ready to, to celebrate this morning the death of Jesus and the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. Okay? Because what you have is Israel. Israel is just a total mess, which I think would describe all of us as well. Correct? Just a mess. They made a lot of mistakes. They turned against God. They began to worship other gods. And God kept telling them in His love, listen, you, you can't do that. Don't go down that direction. And He sent prophets to tell them, listen, if you don't stop, if you don't stop sinning, 
then I'm going to have to punish you. And they wouldn't stop. And so finally he sent them into exile. And after they had been in exile for a while, they began to cry out saying, God doesn't love us. God has forgotten us. And this is God's response to that. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, he says, I will not forget you. And I love this next part. He says, see, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Remember that as you take the Lord's Supper this morning. That God has your name, my name, written on His hands. That He will never forget us. That He deeply loves us. But let's talk about our love for God. Let's go a little deeper. Deuteronomy chapter 6 again. And this time we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. Notice what he says. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Notice, notice what God says, okay? Here, Moses is speaking to the people before they enter the promised land. He's already given them the Ten Commandments and he's fixing to give them a few more. But right in the middle of that, he says, these commands that I'm giving you, he says, don't just hear them and then just move on. Don't just hear them and, and forget them. He says, I want you to talk about I want you to talk about these commands when you get up in the morning before you go to bed at night. I, I want you to talk about my commands that I give you to your kids. And, and as you're walking down the road, as you're going to work, and, and you're surrounded by other people, I, I want you to talk about it. And, and, and I want you to bind it. On, I want you to bind these commands on your foreheads and, and put them on your hands. But remember the verse before this. Right in the middle of all these commands, this is what God says. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Why? Because He wants them to obey these commands out of a heart of love for Him and for others. And things don't change when you get into the New Testament. Jesus doesn't say, listen, I want you to obey all these commands so that you can get yourself into heaven. He says in John 14, 15, if you, white church, said out loud, if you love me, you will what? You'll keep my commandments. You see, I can't love God and I can't love you and sin against you and sin against God. In order for me to sin against God and to sin against you, guess what I've got to do? I've got to, I've got to set that love aside. And so Jesus says, listen, if you love me, 
you'll keep my commandments. You see, everything we do has to come from love. That's why this series is entitled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Everything, right? For those of us who are Christians, love has everything to do with it. That's why we always have to look back and examine ourselves and ask, am I in a loving relationship with God? Is that why I'm obeying Him? Because I'm in love with Him. Because if I'm in love with someone, I am not going to do what offends them. I am not going to do what that person hates. And so am I in love with God? Here's the sad part. Lesson's fixing to be yours. It's really a warning, Matthew 24, verse 12. Jesus Himself says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of what? The love of most will grow cold. The scary part is, He doesn't say some. He says the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And trust me, I get it. We're surrounded by a world that's full of wickedness and it seems like it's becoming more and more wicked and people are just moving further and further away from God. And in fact, um, Julie went to the dentist this past week and the lady who was cleaning her teeth said the exact same thing that I told you guys not too long ago. It seems like, this is what she said, it seems like people aren't even, what's the word? Seems like they're not even embarrassed of sin anymore. They're not ashamed of it. And I get it because we're, we're surrounded by it. And even as Christians, we can get to the point where we're tempted to think, you know, that's not so bad. Because look at what they're doing over there. And we think, well, that's, that's a far distance from where I'm at right now. But if we're not living for God, do we really love Him? I think about Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to close out with this. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going through the book of Revelation right now in my own personal study. and Jesus is writing these letters to several different churches. And He writes this letter to the church of Ephesus. And at the beginning, the first, beginning, the first three verses, man, he's, he's really bragging on them. And he says, you're doing good at this, 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 and this. But then by the time you get to verse 5, now you begin to see the heart of the issue and why Jesus wrote them this letter. He says, but I have this one thing against you. You do not love me as you did at first. He says, remember how you once loved me. 
He says, be sorry for your sin and, and love me again as you did at first. And then it comes with a warning. He says, if you do not, He says, I'll come to you and I'll take your light out of its place. And so as, as we look at this lesson this morning, this is just a reminder. I, I want to remind you, okay? Because I, I know that we get busy with all the stuff that's going on in the world. And, and, you know, we've got work and we've got kids and we've got school and we've got all kinds of activities going on in our lives. And, and here's what we have to ask ourselves. Am I in love with God? Maybe I was at one time, but I, do I still have that love for Him? I mean, am I really seeking Him? Am I really spending time with Him? Am I, am I looking forward to being in His presence, not just on Sunday morning, but on a daily basis? Because if we're not, we need to repent. We need, to, we need to call out to God and ask Him to help us love Him more once again. To revive, as we sang just a few moments ago, to revive our soul and get us back to where we need to be. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Luke is going to come up here and he's going to lead us in that. And so if you will, come on up, bud.